Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Let's give our moms a big round of applause, please, brothers and sisters. I got a message from my cousin Nathan in New Zealand. He said at church when he said to the mums, he actually said, thank you for your service, uh, which I thought was real strange, but Nathan, well, well done. Um, but man, mothers, and, and while I value such a day as today, I would like to reiterate a particular truth or a particular statement that Uncle Sun Ling often actually associate with Valentine's Day, and I want to actually apply it to Mother's Day as well, which is this. Don't wait for a formal day to show appreciation to your mums. Don't, don't wait for a formal day. To, don't hold back from showing them gratitude or appreciation to the, to the mother or the motherly figure in your life for all the sacrifices that they make, for the time they willingly give, and the unconditional love they express. Mothers truly are a blessing to us as families. And to be honest, I'm constantly amazed by the determination, the compassion, and the caring that mothers show toward their family. It's a sight to behold, and I've seen it with my wife, I've witnessed it with my mother, and I've seen it evident with my grandmother as well. I've, I've, I've seen, seen it with my wife, my wife's amazing ability to, to the patience, the long-suffering, the, the wisdom as the mother to our children. I've, I've been the cause of a lot of stress and anxiety to my mother, along with my brothers and sisters as well, and I have heard about the various escapades that my, my dad and my uncles and my aunts and all this, the grief they caused my grandmother as well. And yet, there is still this loving openness and this loving acceptance of children. And I think for us as dads, we don't truly appreciate everything that mothers do. 2020, 2020 when we were confined to our home, there was a bit of a, a revelation for a lot of dads to come to the understanding of all the effort it took to look after kids in the home. Dads who are trying to balance the attention that's demanded by the kids, the awareness that's required in looking after the kids, the priorities that are reshuffled as you try to balance within your home, screaming kids, doing work and work conference calls, as well as those chaotic, chaotic meal times that you never really get that balance because of everything going on. So I think for a lot of dads, we've come to appreciate more what mums do within the home. Therefore, today, for this morning's Mother's Day message, I guess you could say, we're going to look at what I like to call another one of God's grace upon her messages. We've been looking at various lessons over the past few weeks about God's grace upon Leah last week. And today, we're going to look at a lesson from Moses' mother, Jochebed. And we're going to look at God's grace upon her. Now, I know that Jochebed isn't written extensively about. Actually, his, her name is only mentioned twice in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, and Numbers chapter 26, verse 59, and Moses' parents are referred to in the faith chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, which we'll look at a little bit later on. And in the brief account that is written in Exodus chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 2, it gives us a glimpse of the type of woman that she was. For in reading the little that we have, I see how as a mother, or just as a parent, tough choices are made all the time. Choices that affect the lives of the household, choices that could either make or break trust within the home, choices that are becoming increasingly more difficult for parents today as we try to navigate, especially in today's world where everyone is exposed and connected via social media, 
we, well, it's just difficult to navigate those sorts of things in life. But with Jochebed, I see some really encouraging things. Encouraging things and the way God works through Jochebed's life can preferably be something applicable to us today as well, specifically mothers. Truths that can comfort you and encourage you in the uncertainties of being a mother. Truths that can sort of uplift in some of the lows you have as a mother. And truths that can strengthen and establish you in some of the mistakes or some of the failures one can make as a mother. Now please bear in mind, as we look at the word today, these truths can be applied to all of us as the children of God, to all of us as Christians. But because it's Mother's Day, I'm going to keep referring to mums. But that doesn't exempt everybody else from these same truths. So let me open a word of prayer, and we'll get into the word together. Father, we thank you so much for mums. We thank you so much for the blessing that they are to us, for the way they sacrifice, for the way they commit, for the way they invest into the lives of their children and into the lives of their husbands. Uh, we'd like to commit them into your hands now and thank you for them and ask that you will continue to give them the strength and the grace and the discernment to continue to parent in a way that pleases you. And for everybody else, Lord, I pray that we too will learn from the truths from Scripture today, knowing that you are working with all of us in our own way, that you are meeting us where we are at, and that you're conforming all of us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. So we ask now in his name that you will open the scriptures to us, you will speak to our hearts, and that we, by your spirit, will not leave the same people that we were when we arrived. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, in the book of Exodus, chapter 1, to provide a bit of context, we discover... In, verses, chapter, in chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, we discover that Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation eventually died, but the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous. Now, just to once again, context-wise, Israel and his 12 sons had settled at the end of Genesis in Egypt. Now, a few hundred years have passed, and we find out that Israel has just multiplied. They dwelled in the land of Goshen, and, and they settled down and made their lives comfortable. Now, a new pharaoh arises in chapter 1, verse 4, and we read in verse 4 that he did not know about Joseph and set in motion a plan by which an entire nation could be wiped out. And you read this in verses 10 to 16 of chapter 1, and basically it comes to this. He wanted to limit Israel by killing all the male babies. It is here that we are introduced to Jochebed with the birth of Moses. And so the text we're looking at today is Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And I'm not going to actually read that passage now. I'm going to read through the passage while we go through each particular point. But we're going to look at God's grace upon mothers, these lessons from Jochebed begin with this, lesson one. You are not alone in this. You're not alone in this. Exodus chapter two, verses one and two. See, in chapter 22, sorry, in chapter one, verse 22, we read of the edict from Pharaoh to throw every newborn male child in the Nile River. And this was an attempt to bring under control the booming Israelite population that essentially threatened Egypt's reign as a superpower. And under this edict, every newborn male's life was under threat. 
This is where we read of a mother's defiance for the sake of her child. Verses 1 and 2, we read this. Now a man, follow with me in your Bibles, it's not going to be up on the thing. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. So instead of doing what she was told by the leadership, or by the government, I guess you could say, she hid her child to preserve his life. Just imagine that for a second. Your newborn baby who, at any time, someone could break in, snatch up, and kill your child. And with this risk, she did what she could for three months. Now, this is where God's grace is manifest toward her, is the fact that she was not alone in this stand. If you have a look in chapter one, we are given the names of two Hebrew women who did the exact same thing in defiance to Pharaoh in person, to Pharaoh's instruction. And we read why they did it. We read in verse 17 of chapter one that they feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. Now, I'm sure there are probably more women who actually did this or had the same idea, people that we don't actually read about. But the fact remains here that what Jochebed is going through here is that she's not the only one going through it. That there are others that are going through it that had the same challenges, the same trials, the same obstacles put in front of them, and yet they made the right choice. They made the choice in the fear of God to honor life, to honor God, to honor the gift that God had bestowed. And now, just as a side note, this is what I've discovered with mums. I'm not a mum. I'm not a mum. I don't know if you've noticed. But I'm not a, I'm not a mum. But the thing I've learned about mothers is the investment they have into their children that more often than not, they can feel isolated. More often than not, they can feel alone that they can spend all their time looking after children, and I've discovered this with my wife, that the only adult contact they have is when husband comes home from work. She finally gets to talk to an adult and actually talk, how was your day? This is what's going on. And, and we're everything else. For the other, however many hours of the day, she's like, don't do this, don't do that. And you can feel sometimes alone and disconnected. You're not alone in this. Not only do you have a loving heavenly father that invests into your love and into your life and expresses his love towards you constantly, he has also blessed you with a husband, with a spouse, with a church family as well to show you the support that you have, to remind you that you are not, in lo- that you are not alone in this. And you'll notice that these women who prioritized God, who feared and revered God more than they feared and revered Pharaoh's rule, resulted in them great blessing. They received great blessing as they continued to honor God. Essentially, they knew God had their backs. And you read about how, okay, they lied. They lied about killing infants by saying that the Hebrew women are more robust than the Egyptian women. So when they give birth, the kids are already gone by the time they got there. That's an interesting lie. Now, people have asked me in the past about this, and they said this, is there a good reason to lie? 
Are there good reasons to lie? Is it okay to defy the ruler's authority and create various stories for various reasons? John Bevere, Pastor John Bevere, does this study on authority, which is a very good authority. And he said, whenever there is the requirement to rebel or defy God-appointed authority is for two reasons. One, when it clearly is contradiction to God's word. If the leaders of the government want you to do something that is a direct contradiction to God's word, that's when defiance is expressed, a godly defiance. And you see the example of Paul doing this when he does it in a very humble way. The other one was when there's a restriction of God-given rights. In this case, the God-given right to life. Now, honestly, if you are an individual that are looking for a biblical justification for you to lie, then I think there are other things you need to repent from if you want to use that. Okay, if you don't want to be looking at the scriptures, I can I can lie because this just no 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 no. I think there's other things you need to actually look at in your own life. Okay, but anyway, Shifra and Pua, who are the names of the two Hebrew women, are examples of women making a stand in the fear of God. Jochebed makes her stand by faith as well and hides her child for as long as she can and defies the edict to preserve her child's life, which is what mums do. And you read of this account in Hebrews, in the great faith chapter, you read in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 23, read this. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. These are women who are blessed because they chose to do right by God, and they reaped the reward in doing so. They were doing individual acts, yes, separate from each other, but were united in God's purpose and in God's honor. Now, in looking at the Scriptures, I am told this, that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And the ones that he preys upon are not those who are standing strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He is neither prowling upon those who have put on the full armor of God so they could stand against the devil's schemes in Ephesians 6, verse 11. Rather, he is preying on those who are ignorant of God's methods, who are unaware of Satan's activity and who are unprepared for temptation. In other words, he's preying on those who are standing on the fringe, not spending time with God, not spending time in his word, not spending time trusting in the promises of God. If you looked at those documentaries, those wildlife documentaries, when there's a, t- a lion who prowls on a, I don't know, it might be antelope, it might be whatever, they never go for the strongest. They never go for the ones that can actually handle themselves and have some way of escape. They always look for the sickly. They always look for those on the edge. They always look for those who can't protect themselves or who are unprepared. This is what the devil does. The devil looks around and sees who he can pick off. Now, what's interesting is that the enemy who's prowling around, he'll use the tiredness of parenting to wear you down. He'll use the fears that you have for your child to make you afraid to do anything. 
And he'll use various means to get your eyes off Jesus and to withdraw from his calling and his leading in your life. I look over the past maybe 10 years in my family, and I have found that the way the enemy works against me is through my children. He'll sit there and he'll attack my kids. He'll use my kids in various ways to get my eyes off Jesus. That's what the enemy does. Because in all honesty, I sort of don't care what happens to me. My wife is the same. She doesn't care what sort of happens to her. But when it happens to our kids, that takes our eyes or can take our eyes off God and onto our situation. That's why it's so important. And the thing is, when, when you do this, when you do, when you, when you sort of withdraw, you give the enemy a foothold to isolate you. Firstly, from the Word of God, then from the people of God, then from walking with God altogether. But you are not alone in this. As mums, you're not alone in your isolation. There are other mums that feel isolated as well. As dads, you're not alone in your isolation. There are other dads that might be going through the same thing. As children, you're not alone in your isolation. You're not. That's the thing. The enemy wants to whisper in your ear and say, you're by yourself. No one knows what you're going through. The enemy wants to whisper in your ear and think you're useless. You can't tell anybody this. As soon as you let the enemy whisper into your ear, then you're in trouble. You need to take your eyes off yourself and understand that you have a God that loves you, yes, and you have brothers and sisters he surrounded you with that love you as well. You see, the battle is the Lord's. And we're told in 1 Peter chapter 5, after verse 8 about the devil, we're told this in verse 9. We're told, resist him, standing firm in the faith. And here's the reason why. Take note of this reason why. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You are not alone in this. You are not alone in this. Once you understand that you're not alone in this as a mother or as a father or as a child or as a business owner, as soon as you understand that, then it gives you the whole idea that somebody there knows where you're coming from, knows what you're going through, and may be able to help, may be able to invest. Maybe they've come out the other side, God's taken them through the other side, and can be an encouragement and a blessing to you in the context you're in right now. You see, when I look at my grandmother, my mother, and my wife, you have mothers that have done this before you. You have mothers that are going through this right now, and you have mothers, or you might be mothers that can invest into mothers that are about to go through it. That's the blessing of being a part of the body of Christ. See, once you understand that you are not alone in this, that you have not only God's presence and God's spirit and God's word, but to know that there are other people going through similar contexts that you are, that you are not alone in this, then what you get to actually focus on, like Jochebed, is that there are situations that are beyond your control. There are situations and contexts that are beyond you, that you have no control over whatsoever. So what Jochebed got to do, and I think which is really important for us as well, is that you do what you can do. 
there are contexts which we, uh, we have no say. For example, I look around and I see a congregation full of masks. We have no say in that really. And okay, we accept it, we carry on. But what we, what we can do is do what we can. If we look at Exodus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, read this with me uh, in your Bibles. When she could hide him no longer, she got a paperous basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Nile. Verse 4, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. In the little bit that Jochebed had for the preservation of her child's life and for the safety of his life, she did the best that she could. She did three things. First thing she did, she got a basket for him. This was in her control. She got a basket for him. She didn't send him out on a piece of wood and say, okay, take care of him, Lord, which I'm sure he could have. She gave the basket with some decent type of workmanship. It wasn't slapped together, really dodgy style. She got a basket that he could be placed in. And she placed him in it. Second thing she did, she coated it with tar and pitch. This was in her control too. In order to have a reasonable bout of protection from the elements, she made it waterproof and buoyant that would move with the waves rather than be overwhelmed by them. And the third thing she did, she sent his sister, Miriam, to keep watch. Not that she didn't trust the Lord, but she wanted to know where he would end up. Myriad could assist in small ways when she could and did. But this was what the third thing she could have, uh, the third thing within her control that she could have some input into. She did what she could, and she did it to the best of, his ability, of her ability. So, as a mother, as a father, as a child, or as a sibling, like Jochebed, there are so many things that are beyond our control, so many things that we have no say over. But, like Jochebed, there are small things we can do to give our children, to give our spouses, to give our siblings the best chance for survival, or, in this case, the best chance for one's spiritual growth in Christ. What can those things be? Well, things like prayer, praying for your kids, praying for their salvation, praying for their growth, praying for their spiritual health and well-being. Things like a godly example, the example of sharing your faith, the example of going to church, the, the example of prioritizing God's values, the example of not watching certain things, not saying certain things, not reacting in certain ways. These are all things that are within our control and can be used by God in the lives of our children. And this is summed up in the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter, four, uh, chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. All right, I'll read it down to you very quickly. It says this, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you are today to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Verse 9, write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your city gate. 
So, you have here a whole bunch of things listed that in your home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, when you rise up, a remembrance on your hands, a reminder which is seen on your forehead. When you go through a door, even when you enter a city, that which is in your control, you do what you can. That's the first thing. What's the second thing? With, the, with that example as a foundation, cover it in the Word of God. You say you've got prayer, you've got an example, you've got that investment, but then cover it, found it, establish it in the Word of God, being in the Word, speaking the Word into people's lives, living out the Word in front of them, showing the reality of Jesus Christ by how you live and by what you do, not by what you say. If you look at Proverbs 31, which is a great testament to this, because it is Lemuel, the king, sharing the wisdom that his mother invested into him. You read in the first two verses the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. And then it goes through all of Proverbs 31 about a godly woman. So you, you ground your children, you ground your family, you ground your home within the Word of God. That is within your control. And that which is in your control, you do what you can. And, and I speak from personal experience. More often than not, the doing what we can is usually substituted as opposed to being in prayer, as opposed to being in the Word. I spend more time, I think, watching Netflix, watching sport, having a bit of a nap, which is really fun. You know what I mean? That, that's, those are the things. But we're told not to do that. If we want to give our children, if we want to give our marriages, if we want to give our families the best chance, then we make our basket of prayer. We make our basket of a godly example. We make our basket of, of being involved in the things of God. We, we cover that basket in the tar of God's Word to make it buoyant, so it withstands against the, the, the forces that are attacking their lives continually so that they're not overwhelmed, but rather they respond accordingly. That's what we want to do when we make that basket. And lastly, the third thing that Jacob did, the third thing we can do, involve ourselves. What did she do? She sent Miriam to keep an eye on things. What can we do? We involve ourselves in each other's lives. If a husband is commanded to dwell with his wife according to knowledge, according to 1 Peter, if a wife is called to submit herself to her own husband as unto the Lord, according to, to Ephesians 6, if children are called to obey the Lord, sorry, Ephesians 5, if children are called to obey the Lord and obey, the, sorry, obey their parents, you'll notice that none of these commands, none of these callings are passive. They're active. It talks about then me dwelling, according to my, dwelling with my wife according to knowledge. That means me spending time with my wife and getting to know her actively. What do you like, baby? What don't you like, baby? What would you like to eat, baby? What would you don't like to eat, baby? It means, it means knowing these things about my wife so that I can be a better husband to her. A wife who's called to submit to her own husband unto the Lord, submission is a powerful thing. Submission is exactly what the Lord Jesus done to his heavenly father. And he was never considered weak, 
He was never considered useless. It was one of the most powerful things as he submitted to God's will in his life. And that as a wife, submitting to your husband has an amazing testimony because it pictures the submission that Christ had to his father. It doesn't mean you're any less. You're still of the same value and same worth in God's eyes. It just means this, and I was talking with a brother just recently about this. As a husband, you as the head of the home means this, that you're responsible when things stuff up. That when your marriage fails, that's your fault. When your family fails, that's your fault. A great book, I remember giving this to Jono uh, many years ago. Sorry, Jono shared this last week. I didn't pick on him last week because he was sitting out the back. Now that he's back here, I can pick on him again. Um, but yeah, and, and the book is a great book. I would encourage you to get this book and have a read it. It says, husbands, do yourself a favor, love your wives. And essentially the whole premise of the book is, it's your fault. You, as the head of the home, need to man up and start being the man of God that he has called you to be. And I thought that was a really, so have a read of that. And then uh, don't, don't tell me you did. All right, so, but this, that's what it is. And, and, and as wives, you can have the effect. But even as parents, as mothers, involving yourself with your children and seeing the impact that you can have with them as well. Because the children, they learn from you. They learn from the parents. They learn the value of how they see church by the way you portray it as parents. They learn how you value the things of God in your home by what they see you value. They've learned what's important to the heart of God, what's important to the, the gospel and the kingdom of God. They learn that from you as their parents. And when we look in the world today, we wonder why so many Christian kids aren't walking with the Lord. It's because we as parents haven't set the right example. We as parents haven't prioritized the things of God the way it should have been. And so when they walk away, it is we as parents, it is our fault. That's what makes the role of being a mom and being a dad so important within the kingdom of God. The impact that we get to invest into their lives. So involve yourselves. You involve yourself. It might be, it might be coaching your son's basketball team at school. It might be taking your children to their netball game. It might be going to their music recital. It might be being involved when they give you something from Sunday school, from Mother's Day, that you actually value it as opposed to throwing it away. It's about showing those things. See, how they learn to value the things of God is directly connected with how you value them yourself. It's about involving yourself in each other's lives, whereby when things spring up that's out of the ordinary, you address it together. Or in other words, that which is in your control, do what you can. Do what you can. This is God's grace upon mothers, that you are not alone in this, that you do what you can, but lastly and the most important, you trust in the Lord. Exodus chapter two, verses five to 10, because there is so much out of our hands, ultimately all that can be done in the end is to trust in the Lord, Proverbs three, five and six, and to wait on him, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It may not work out as neatly as Jochebed's circumstance right here, but the principle of Psalm 37.5 is what we're to hold to. Psalm 37.5 in the King James says this, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. 
Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And we see the result of Jochebed's committal in what happens next in verses 5 to 10. If you want to read with me. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, Miriam, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Catch that. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. I will pay. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. What an amazing story. So the opportunity arises where Miriam takes the initiative, approaches Pharaoh's daughter. She offers, offers the services of a midwife and so when she's instructed, yeah, go get a midwife, she goes gets who? The baby's mom. She goes and gets Jochebed. You see, the acts of Jochebed scream to us sometimes that sometimes the best thing we can do is hand things over to the Lord, to trust things over to Him, and what He does with it results sometimes in amazing blessing, like in this example of Jochebed. But when we hand it over to him, we know that he will do what is best for us with it. Can you imagine this? She puts her son in a basket and off he goes. Then the daughter runs back and says, hey, mom, can you come back and see Pharaoh's daughter so you can look after your baby? And then the fact that the, the, the Pharaoh's daughter goes, look, look after this baby, look after him, and I'll tell you what, I'll pay you too. Because she feared God and did right by God and honored God, she was blessed with raising her son and being paid for it by Pharaoh's daughter. Only God could do something like that. Only God could. Okay, if you've got your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 4. Very quickly, we're going to read the first five verses because this is the principle that Moses demonstrated as well. Like mother, like son, which is really quite good. Cool. I'm reading from my um, CSB, the large print. Moses answered, what if they won't believe me? Because God has called them and talking with them at the burning bush. What if they don't believe me and will not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you? The Lord asked him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. Throw it on the ground, he said to Moses. Uh, he said, so Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake and he ran from it. Verse four, the Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. Verse 5, this will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Mike Schultz, one of my lecturers at Bible College, gave a sermon on this passage. But it's the same principle. He said, what is a staff? A staff is of absolute importance to a shepherd. He helps them direct the sheep, helps keep things in control, helps not and the wolves away and the predators, he basically said a staff was representative of a livelihood or of a life. What did God say to Moses? Throw it to the ground. 
And this is what Mike said. Mike said, sometimes God asks of you to throw things to him, to present it before him, to lay it at his feet, just to, just to, to, to discard it. And then he said, and sometimes if God knows that what you will use will be done for his glory and in his service, he'll say to you, take it back up. And he'll give it back to you. This is what Jochebed did. She trusted in the Lord and gave her son over to his care. She did what she could and she did it to the best of her ability and she provided and offered her son over to God. And God said to her, I'll give him back. You have honored me, I will honor you and I will give that back. I will give him back to you. And you know what happens. She's not only receives her son back, but she is blessed again as well. This is what God can do when we, as Paul proclaimed in 2 Timothy 1.12, know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. There was a wonderful example of a man who went to an airport and he says, if I go to an airport and I don't check my bags in, and I lose my bag, then that's all on me. That's on me. That's my responsibility. If I lose it, that's all on me. But if I commit my bag to the airline and they lose it, who's responsible? The airline. When we commit our things to God, God is responsible for them. He is the one that will keep it to bring glory to His name, and we know He can be trusted. And that's the blessing that we have, to trust in the Lord. Yes, we're not alone. Yes, we do what we can, but ultimately it's our trust in Him that sees things through. <clears throat> so I said, yes, we do what we can. Yes, we can work together and support each other, but it is when we entrust Him over to Him wholly that one benefits. The best thing we can do, the best thing within our control is to raise our children to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is the best thing, that they have their own relationship with Him. See, we know, sorry, that we raise children who know the gospel of God's love, that Jesus was born, lived, and died in order for them to be forgiven of their sin, even as children. And that, that He rose again, so that their eternal destiny might be secure. You see, this is God's grace upon mothers. This is the joint venture with God, sometimes a very thankless job, that the role of mothers can be overlooked by everybody. But we have to know that, as we learned last week, the Lord sees your investment as mothers that you are making into the lives of your children. So he has surrounded you, or at the very least, made available to you the blessing of fellow sisters in the Lord who have gone through, are going through, or will go through the same season in life that you are experiencing right now. We have to know that, like last week, the Lord hears you. The tiredness of your spirit, the weariness of your souls, the crying out for just a little bit of rest. So he has enabled you by his spirit, equipped you 
with his word and supported you with an encouragement to know that the labor of the Lord is never in vain. And to know that, as we learned last week, that we can be hopeful because our trust in the Lord is, gives us strength, gives us direction, gives us hope because He is faithful that promised. What He said, He will do. And His presence will never leave nor forsake us. This is God's grace upon mothers. This is the lesson from Jochebed. And I pray that as mothers, that you, if you are feeling isolated, if you are feeling tired, if you are feeling down, look for support. Reach out for help. Come before God in prayer. You're not alone. When you're looking at your children and maybe as they're getting older, you're wondering, what is it that I'm doing wrong? What do you think like this? Well, look, you, you do what you can. You spend time in prayer. You bathe your life and your family in the Word, and you involve yourself. But ultimately, you trust them to the Lord. As you do what you can, you trust in the Lord and what He will do through you to bring them to yourself. So happy Mother's Day, ladies. Gentlemen, let's be supportive of our wives. Children, be good. Father, this is our heart's cry. That all we need is you. Without you, we can do nothing. You are the vine and we are the branches. And so we pray this morning and ask that you will meet our need. That as fathers, you will meet our needs. We might raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That as mothers, as isolated as we may feel, that we might find our comfort in you. We find our strength, our wisdom, our discernment. Even as children, that we would be sensitive and be others-focused as we look to our parents and see how much they have done for us. Ultimately, Lord, we look to you. The giving of your Son, where we might have life. The sacrifice you gave, where we might be made new. The resurrection you performed, so that we, because you live, we will live also. We ask you to dismiss us now. And we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, in whom we have life, we have newness, and we have power. May you be glorified this day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.